airways Here is my request You don't have to play it But I hope you'll do your best I've been listening to your show on the radio And you seem like a friend to me Howdy hi, Victoria Stand the man Hello Oh, don't get up, it's only me. Hello, welcome to a brand new year. I'm Liz. I'm Pete. 1420 3XY, how are you? It's nine after six with Lee Simon. It's 18 to six, 3DB with Keith McGowan. More grand old favourites to play for you a little later on. 3 E, the breeze 693. Good morning and welcome to our brand new radio station. Good afternoon, Melbourne. It's seven minutes past three. This is Greg Evans at 1420 3XY. Well, hi and welcome once again to Pilots of the Airwaves. It's our 30 minutes or so where we catch up with the people behind the voices who were friends to a whole generation. Today's pilot's been the ultimate radio journeyman, taking his special brand of broadcasting through many stations in many states. He's seen and done it all. Okay, Rick, where do we start? Um, press the button. <clears throat> well, hey, let's have a jingle. The exciting sound. This is 3KZ. Hey, Rick Melbourne, welcome to Pilots and thanks for joining us. Nice to be here. So where do we find the Rick Melbourne Travelling Roadshow these days? Uh, well, believe it or not, it's, it's still going. It, it started kind of like back with my mother who was a, a writer and she used to write me into these radio plays. Uh, and it's just continued on to 2020. And uh, well, I really enjoy doing what I'm doing because I've got my own little production studio and I have an on-air studio there too, so I, I, I do believe in the, the future of the net, and we're going all over the net now, and that, that all over the world. It's, it's great. Now, one question we like to ask many of our guests is, what were they like at school, and what were some of the reoccurring words that were used in your school reports? I think we'd all be fascinated to know a little bit about Rick the Student. Well, I can tell you this, and this is true. I still have that report in which this is mentioned. It says, Richard is a fine student, apart from spasmodic outbursts in class. <laughs> Why are we not surprised? So when did that initial interest in radio start, and where did you go for the all-important voice training? Uh, well, I, I went... Let me see. I went with the superior teacher, uh, Lee Murray, who is probably more of a father to me. He... Um, he really helped me out and, you know, straightened me out in my thinking because pretty, it's pretty crazy. Um, and he got me into the business and there it was. He's a great guy. Um, fabulous fellow, yeah. So how did your idea of broadcasting differ from those of Lee Murray? Uh, I, I don't think they did. He basically worked on my voice techniques. Uh, I've always had a good set of pipes. I've, I've known that because I used to do TV stuff and bits and pieces in, in radio players that my mother wrote. But uh, what Lee did is he, he um, helped me with my ad-living, um, helped me with my enunciation, helped me with my expression, and above all, helped me to believe in myself, regardless of what they said. <laughs> Now, Rick, I've counted up to 10 different radio stations that you've worked at, but there's probably some I've missed as well. Where did it all start for you? 
Okay, well, you're going to have to go to over 40, and that's over a career that started, this is a career, it started back in 1968. And the first radio station I went to was at 3TR in Sale. And I said to Mr. Murray, I said, listen, Mr. Murray, I'm not very good at reading news. And he said, hey, don't worry about that, boy. We'll take care of that too when it turns up. So I'm on here and I can't read. I mean, I just could never read scripts. You know, I, I, I want to do what I want to do. I'm that sort of expressive. That's why I didn't want to sort of... And now question number five on me, and I can't do that. It's best just to talk, you know. Um, anyway, uh, a listener wrote in and said, uh, my parrot can read the news better than you. <laughs> so what they did is they hired the bird and fired me. <laughs> so, so after that start, were there any lessons learned in that very first gig that stayed with you for the rest of your radio life? One was never break the format, and quite by mistake there was a... Uh, I think he was a program manager. It could have been the general manager. I don't know. I can't remember. Mr. Woods, that was his name. And I, I, I was supposed to play the Who singing Marianne with the shaky, the shaky hands. But on the other side was that, was the one I liked, was I can see for miles and miles. And uh, they have a thing called day part where, you know, you're not supposed to play that track through the day. But I put on I can see for miles and miles. And the next thing I know, this guy Woods barges in the studio, takes the record off the turntable, snaps it in half, throws it in the ground, looks at me and says, that's the last time you play that. And he stormed out the door. And, like, <laughs> the, the needle's going, on the felt, and I put on the mic and said, well, uh, <laughs> I was only a kid. Well, that was the who and a great smash record there. <laughs> <laughs> now, now, you made Melbourne your home through most of the 70s with the Rick Melbourne Million Dollar Musicale on 3KZ between 4 and 7pm, starting the decade off. What was the KZ format like in those days? Uh, well, uh, that's a good question. I could never quite understand it because there would be some current 40 stuff that they'd play, but then they'd sort of include album versions, you know. Um, and some of the album versions of the hits, I, I, I didn't really get into it. So it was like a hotchpotch, and they called it, um, what they call it, Sound Survey. That's it, Sound Survey. And they used to get these American packages, there was uh, the Now Sound. And like, it'd be like, 3KZ, uh, the session with the Now Sound, and you'd have to or be encouraged to use the word now in what you're saying. So being an enthusiastic guy, <laughs> I'd say, uh, now, now sound three cases, but now time is now, right now, and now, 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 you know, they go, all right, all right, don't overdo the now. I said, but that's what you wanted. Now, there were some, I'm using now myself now, anyway, there, there were some heavyweights manning the same shifts on rival radio stations, such as Alan Lappin on 3UZ, Paddy O'Donnell on 3DB, Paul Connick on 3XY, and of course, Lionel York on 3AK. A fairly competitive shift, who ruled the roost back then? Um, that's a good question. Uh... I think the survey was pretty kind to me all the time, um, and a few of those people I, I've worked with subsequently and, and know them. Um, but no, I, I, I was pretty good, yeah. One of the boldest moves in the Melbourne radio market was the creation of DB Music in 1975, obvious challenge to the dominance of 3XY and a very strong lineup that they had at the time. Now, I think I'm right in saying that the coach of the new team was the well-known radio man, Brendan Sheedy. You were spearheading the all-important breakfast shift with a pretty solid team following you during the day. What were the coach's instructions for you, if any, regarding DB Music and what they wanted you to achieve? Well, they obviously wanted me to achieve uh, Numero Uno, which I did, and I did that inside of one year. When I went into DB Music to do the first show, 
the station itself was run down. It had been going a long time, and there's lots of old people there. And, you know, people don't like changes. I, I don't like changes, although I've spearheaded a lot of radio revolutionary stuff in my time. But um, they, they didn't want to change, and they didn't like that. Uh, the guy who was doing the breakfast show had been there for a long time, John Eden. In fact, I can remember I was a kid. I'd go to the Melbourne Town Hall and I saw John Eden performing. And I said, gosh, that's where I want to be. And um, he got very nasty to me. He stopped me in the corridor one day and said, how dare you take my job? I said, I didn't take your job. I said, listen, you've been here for 30 years. And what are you rating? You're rating six. No, you're not. You're rating five. Five? After 30 years? Hello? In the meantime, 3XY were 24.4. I came in, I took over with five. Inside of one year, I whittled that 5.5. I took it up to uh, 15 and 3XY... Uh, let me correct that. I, I took that up to 15.7 and 3XY clocked in under at 15. Now, you were, of course, involved in some legendary outside broadcasts. What can you tell us about taking the breakfast show to mm, Flinders Street Station, for example? Oh, it was great. I, I, you see, that's the whole thing. That's You've just hit the whole reason why I've done what I've done. I've only done it for the audience. I've only done it for the listeners because they're the only people that, that matter. And I, I used to love going to those broadcasts. <laughs> they were great fun, and like everyone would come along. They, they were hip, you know. And I'd do my Vince Pichelli guitar songs and crap like that, and they'd all laugh. And like I was, I went down into the intersection, uh, just opposite. Uh, let me see, what's the the Flinders Street Railway Station, St Paul's Cathedral, and the Flinders Street. And I'm up in a big, big uh, suction. I'm going, you know, baby, I've been watching you, and I heard, baby, I've been watching you. And everyone's waving their hands. Everyone had a public holiday. <laughs> I see my mama, she finding this new place to dwell. It's down at the end of Lonely Street. She's called Heartbreaking Hotel. Absalon. 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 I'm going to draw from the eyes. Now, there's no doubt that you were probably ahead of your time with regards to a keen musical appreciation when it came to identifying hit singles as you were the first jock to pick up the classic songs such as See Play Poo Wong, The Fat Executive Song, Dance With Vince, and that version of Heartbreak Hotel that left most people, well, just shaking their heads. You had what seemed to be a gift when it came to identifying new talent. Well, it, it was, but I, I, I didn't even set a, set a path to do that. It just happened. <laughs> because I, I love having fun, and again, when my listeners have fun along with me, then that's terrific. You know, the fun calls we used to make. I mean, some of the stuff that we do is just, it's even, it, I can say it's even um, talked about now, and, and it's it's there, you know, it's, it's history. It was back to 3KZ in 1977, this time in Breakfast, and I assume a new music format from the old Music Hall days. Um, no, it was a different sort of thing, because the music was changing. We, we came in on the disco sort of stuff, and that, that was there, but then we were starting to break out into some rock country and some more uh, eclectic sounds, and I tried to put those in there as well. Uh, and again, that was, it was a change, because 3KZ didn't want to change, but then according to what the general manager was talking to me over lunch, he wanted to, and we made the change, and for the first time, Coca-Cola 
were, were buying time on the station. Ford, GMH, big people like that were buying time on the station. Uh, but then I had a sales manager. He said, what about Bird Flood Motorbike Shop? And I said, well, what about it? He said, well, he's, he's spent $15 for 15 seconds. Or, and I go, well, look, you know, what do you want? Ford are paying... Uh, Two, three thousand dollars for commercial packs. What do you want? Your fifteen bucks. What do you want? So again, it's it's change, and nobody likes change. I don't advocate change, but like, if you want to write, just call me. <laughs> <laughs> now, now, although you worked with personalities such as Vince Pacelli, Arthur Dunstan, and Heck Winger on your breakfast programs, you were primarily a solo performer. Was that by choice, or did you have the opportunity to work with partners? No, I, I did. I had, um, let me see, there was Joel, Joel Kane. I don't think Joel's with us anymore. Um, he did some stuff in the background. And young Kayak or Lindsay um, or Bernard, these were young guys that used to be, you know, cassette stuff and like gophers and things like that. And they'd contribute to the show too. But we'd have a lot of trouble with some of the program directors there. As, as one of them said to me, and he cornered me and he said, I am sick of this. And I said, you know what? He said, how can you be rating 13.5 when the rest of the station is rating 4 or 5? And I'd say, well, look, you know, you guys just play music, but uh, people, people want more than that in the morning. People want to have some fun. Now, Rick, like a number of announcers over the years, you two included the occasional prank call as part of the program. So what was your reaction when you first heard of the Mel Grigg Michael Christian call to the King Edward Hospital that went terribly wrong? Well, that's exactly right. It went terribly wrong. And you, you make sure that you you don't shoot like that. You, you have to put some protection in there, you know. It's a bit like, I'm going to make love to every woman in the world and nothing will happen to me. You, you've got to have a condom on those calls. Otherwise, otherwise, you're going to end up in a hell of a mess, which they did. Now up in 2UW in Sydney, you did in fact cultivate an on-air partnership with Tool of the Cleaning Lady. How did that come about, and what were some of the important topics that you covered with Tula? Oh, that was Ruler, not Tula. Yeah, you're thinking of Mark Mitchell. <laughs> he used to have a, 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 a Ruler, Tula, Dula, and all these silly names. But no, Ruler, she, um, she just came into the station as a tea lady, you know, and she was, uh, being of Greek origin, she's very talkative. And she used to say, did you know about this week and such and such? I go, no, is that right? A little rumor, and we'd sort of uh, get into that from a distance on air, and things got hotter and warmer and warmer. And it was completely crazy, but everybody loved it. They, they all listened for Ruler in the morning. Once again, you've got to entertain people. They, they, they want to be entertained. They want to laugh. mid-80s and another shift to another station this time it was stereo am sound of 3uz music so how did the presentation of your breakfast program vary from station to station or was it a case of this is how i do it do you want me uh i i gotta be honest i'm i i wasn't really impressed with that it it, it was what it was i can tell you about that the the, the 3uz thing I, I drove into the car park one day Got out, and Oliver J. Nilsson, I think it was Junior, got out of his roles or whatever it was. He said, oh, oh, I've just sold the station. Ha, ha. And I said, oh, uh, okay, well, 
Uh, I'll, I'll go and do what's left of my show then, will I? Oh, yes, well, I won't be there for much longer. Ha <laughs> ha. And I thought, well, that's great, that is. I've been working for that. Our special guest on Pilot of the Airwaves today is the incomparable Rick Melbourne. And Rick, some of those calls you did make in the morning, which were some of the more infamous ones? Uh, the infamous one would probably be when I rang up this guy in Queensland. He, he, his brother rang me up and he said, oh, can you play a, a trick on this guy? I think his name was Oscar or something. I said, sure. Anyway, I, I dialed his number and he goes, yeah, hello. I go, yes, good morning to you, sir. My name is uh, uh, William Bales, and I'm from the Australian Statistics Society. Uh, could you uh, help me out? Uh, hey, this is you. What, what do I do? He said, well, I said, is there a phone table in front of you? He go, yeah. I said, have you got a, 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 a ruler there? He said, yeah. I said, could you give me the approximate measurement of your forehead, please? And he said, yeah, it's about as broad as your dick. Also, too, where did the screaming of Wake Up come from? Uh, that started at DB Music, and um, I, just, I just, it just, just came out. Uh, what was I playing? Some song, and I said, that's what I like to hear, something quiet in the morning. But the trouble is, you're really walking around half awake, and, and that's just going to send you back to sleep, isn't it? So really what you should do is, wake up! <laughs> and everyone went, what the hell? <laughs> And so I, I, I used it as that. I had the manager of three guys in saying, you really shouldn't be doing that, you know. My friend who's a doctor says that one day your, your throat will collapse. <laughs> and I said, well, look, you know, I'm 74 now. Hello. Yeah, hello indeed. I think we've already covered this, but the secret to a successful solo breakfast program basically is entertainment? Yes, it is. Absolutely, and, and there's, there's lots of different guys, uh, and they have their own style, and they have their own ideas, and that's terrific. I mean, vive la différence, let's be honest, but you've got to make them laugh, because, man, who, who wants to walk around a humdrum and another humdrum day, especially people in the city? People in the city want to have fun because, you know, uh, it's pretty oppressive growing like that every day, going through the same traffic, going through the same BS. I mean, come on. Rick, have you had a chance to have a listen to some of those trios that are currently on FM radio doing breakfast in the capital cities? Oh, yeah, but that's not fair. (laughs) Oh, you're doing some fishing now. What bait have you got there? Uh, Times have changed. And with the changing times, things have been forgotten. Things have been neglected. People have lost touch with people, especially their audience, and they find that they're performing to themselves, but losing the plot of the, of the story or the entertainment. That's why I've heard some people say, oh, gee, uh, it's morning, and they're all going, ha, 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 it's morning, ha, 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 ha. And I go, why are they laughing? <laughs> they, haven't done, they haven't done a lot of preparation. They haven't gone through the whole thing. So they just think, oh, we'll, we'll get on and laugh, you know. And the majority of program directors, and I'm sorry to say this, are not very good program directors. If you had a program director that would do his job, I'll repeat this, would do his job, he'll, he'll get the team in and he'll say, well, guys, this is not funny. It's not working. So let's get some material in here, put a writer in there, put a producer in there, and let's, let's concentrate on what's going down. Give me some current stuff. Like every morning when I do this, uh, this show from where I am, oh, the first thing I'm doing is going through the, the newspapers and through the, uh, the computer news and what's going down. 
There is so much more that we could cover, Rick, but just a quick word on that revolving door radio station known as 3AK Circa 2000, which boasted an incredibly professional and talented lineup, including Rick's room in the evening. Why and how did that station fall apart? Well, uh, it was owned, or the license, I believe, now, you know, I, 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 I think I'm right in saying so, it was owned by Fusion, Fusion, I should say, Media. And behind that was a guy, um, oh, I can't even remember his name, uh, Tasmania he used to live in, and he was trading uh, illegally because uh, some technicality, something went wrong and the whole thing, they lost their license apparently, uh, and then they, they stopped paying. And like week one would go by, no pay. No, no, it's it's coming down through the through the, the finance. Oh, okay. Week two, no pay, and there'd be like week eleven, no pay. Week twelve, no pay, and by this time they're owing they're owing me thousands. And uh, really, I I did that in the budget thing. Anyway, I said, uh, look, you, you you can't do this. I, I need some dough, you know. I mean, I I love doing this show, but you know, I like to buy a sandwich, uh, and it sort of fell apart. Um, I, uh, what was the guy's name? Mel Garland. And I, I used to throw to him at uh, 10 o'clock. And I, I remember one night I was there and I said, I'm out of here, have a wonderful evening. Mel Garland is next. And I hit the record and he goes, oh, oh, yes, I'm the great pretender. <laughs> <laughs> Mel Garland used to say there's a picture of me, and I've still got that picture actually on my studio wall. I'm looking up and they're going, yeah, I do look a bit evil there. And he said, he looks like the devil. Take that down. Take, it's got to go. Uh, he was a strange man. Um, so anyway, I, 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 I resigned in the end, and I, I said, okay, you guys owe me 11 or 12 weeks' worth of money. Now, what I'm going to do is every hour this whole day is send you a fax to the manager, and at the end, if that money's not in the bank, I'm going to go to every media outlet I know in the city of Melbourne that goes from Truth Magazine, you name it, Darren Hinch, who got burned by that as well, and they put the money in exactly on 4 o'clock. You mentioned Darren's name there. It wasn't as if the station was lacking real talent because there were some, some fantastic broadcasters who were working at the station. Well, that's right. They, they were, but you see, I, I, I don't know. They, they, they would hire a lot of volunteers, and... I've never worked in a radio station like that. I mean, I'm not, I'm not knocking volunteers, but some of them would come up and some of them couldn't even speak properly. And they'd say, I'd say, sorry? Well, what are you doing? I'm going to do a paneling for you. And they go, oh, yeah. Well, see you later. And I, I, I couldn't get the situation. Um, in the end, uh, Bruce Mansfield would come in at nights, and, and we'd have a lot of fun. Uh, he's gone now, of course, Bruce, but we've always had a lot of fun together. Once again, he likes to see people laugh, and that's why Bruce, whenever he did something, it was always funny. Indeed, one of the great broadcasters, of course, Bruce Mansfield. Hey, Rick, it's now time for our dozen or so quick-fire jock questions that we ask all our guests. First one is, where were you when you heard John Lennon died? I was in Sydney, and I think that was in 82, was it? Yeah, it was a 2 mm-hmm. UW. The word that you've had most trouble pronouncing on air. Oh, um, I can tell you when I was doing lots of voiceovers, 
the word swimming pool. It, it was the movement between the part, and then you have to lock in the pool. So it becomes, I mean, swing, there it is, swimming pool. So you'd have to practice that one. I'm sure there were plenty, but which incident on air had you thinking that you might get those Don't Come Monday orders? Um, well, I, I remember, and this is true, I was doing Midnight to Dawn as a kid at KZ before they gave me the drive, and I just hit the news theme three o'clock, and I looked up at the control room, and there was a guy there covered in blood looking at me, and I went, oh, my God, what the hell's going on here? And so uh, it was the shortest news uh, service around. It was like, 3KZ, weather today is five mile, 23, blah, 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 bang, into the record. And I said, well, I've got to open that door. I don't know what's going on happening. And I opened the door and the bike said, help, help, they're after me, they're after me. And I said, who? He said, oh, this bunch of guys. And I ushered him out, so there's blood everywhere. And I took him right down the drive, the, the hallway rather, and locked him on the balcony door. And then I looked up and then uh, all these other guys come running in. Where is he? Where is he? And there were some front stairs that went up to the next floor. And I said, oh, he ran up there. And they all went up there and I closed the door behind them and locked them up there. <laughs> <laughs> then I called the police and I said, hey, <laughs> you're not going to believe this. And oh, cops, uh, sirens, and uh, the, the whole front door was smashed. Uh, they ran upstairs in the front and they busted, the, they arrested that guy. They arrested the guy in the back stairs, took them away. And then the manager came in and he said, what the hell happened here? What the hell? I said, oh, just another exciting show this. Uh, hey, never a dull moment on midnight till dawn. Listen, Skyhooks or Sherbert? Oh, uh, well, that's two different bands. I mean, like, really, uh, I, I have memories of both of those because I, I did the second countdown and at the audition, it was over Sherbert who had Silvery Moon. And I, I didn't know what I was going to say, but I said, ah, Sherbert, Silvery Moon. Yes, I just like the shine on the seat of my trousers. Ha ah. And they liked that. Well, why am I not surprised? Uh, it was the ABC. Oh, hey, watch it there. And um, uh, um, Skyhooks, I should say, uh, Shirley Strong was a, a really nice guy. And he, he'd come around to our outside broadcasts. You know, we'd be under the clocks at Flinders Street. He'd suddenly turn up. G'day, Rick, how are you? Guys, <laughs> I'm sure, how are you? <laughs> Rolling Stones or the Beatles? Ah, uh, gee, these are questions that, uh, oh, well, they're, they're both good. I mean, you know, I, I still think the Rolling Stones are great with that maybe I used to stay out all night long, that sort of stuff and I still love the Beatles doing, you know uh, oh, millions of songs by the Beatles, I like them both, I can't differentiate because although they're rock and they're pop, they are still different The most treasured piece of memorabilia you have from those 70s, 80s days um, I, I, Probably a book of a book of tickets to my crazy nights <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Can you recall the biggest news story that broke while you were on air? Elvis died. Is there an on-air rival whose work you admired from a distance? Oh, uh, I can't think of anyone. <laughs> no, I, I really, because look, look, make no mistake about it. Are we there to win? Are we there to do battle? Of course you are. So you can't say, gosh, what a great guy. I really like his work. You have to say, you're going. I'm sorry. What would have been the best word of advice from a program manager? Probably Paul Thompson. Um, and he came down to my place when I left DB and went over to KZ 
he was instrumental in me coming back to DB. And he'd come by about like 8 o'clock every night, and I'd go, look, Paul, I've got to get some sleep. Will you stop this? And he'd go, you've got to... Because yeah, Paul, oh, yes, you, you've got to go back to DP Rick. <laughs> uh, so uh, he said some things, and um, he he was almost too decent to be in radio. Is there a song you still play on air today that has stood the test of time? Oh, Lordy, um, that's a good question. Let's look at my music list. Uh, oh, any of the Rolling Stones, Beatles, you know, stuff like that. I I, I love the animal singing "Boom Boom." You know, mm-hmm. I love mm-hmm. that because I was, and and um, oh gee, you look dear the animals, yeah, yeah that'll do. Be a couple of albums that are there. A couple of albums that were the soundtrack um, of your teenage years. Well, I can remember when I was a kid of about ten. There was a mate of mine at state school. We'd go to his place and smoke cigarettes, and he'd play Little Richard. And that that was my favourite track, uh, Long Tall Sally, fantastic. Finally, Rick Melbourne, any regrets in broadcasting? No, none, none. Because uh, that's what life is, you know. People say, I wish I hadn't have done that. Well, you did. I shouldn't have said that. Well, you did. It's, it's, you, why would you want to feel sorry for yourself when the reality, and this is the, this is the truth, you know, people need to become more aware of what's going down, what's being said, how it's being presented, and where it's going. And that goes for the past, too. I don't regret anything. And believe me, if you had a couple of hours, <laughs> you'd be going, what? <laughs> but I, I don't regret anything. I, I, I really don't. Well, Rick, we've only just skimmed over the top of an incredible 52-year career in radio, and I think it's fair to say, once listened to, never forgotten. You've brought back plenty of memories for lots of people today. Hey, listen, thanks for being part of Pilots. No worries at all. Drop by R-I-C-M-E-L-B-O-U-R-N-E dot com. Hit the little logo there, you'll hear me. Rick Melbourne on Pilots of the Airwaves. <laughs>